This is a Meteorite production. I just do the whole episode without my glasses. You just can't see. That would be so nice. Mm-hmm. Um, what is well, so you typically get styes, or girls get styes when you use old makeup or old like mascara. Mm-hmm. It's it's some kind of like bacteria infection, I would imagine. Um, oh, it's like a, a uh, hmm. it's like a a gland in your eye gets clogged or something. Okay, I believe that. Yeah. Um, but so like mine always itch and I don't know if that's normal or not. Like I it, would assume. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't because <laughs> it's like well, when anything else like gets swollen or like you hurt and yourself like that doesn't itch. It's just inflamed. I don't know. But so like I've just been scratching it for the past three days and I like to. Okay, because I have anxiety, so I pick at literally everything on my face. The other thing that I do is I pick at my eyelashes, and so I will just rip eyelashes off my eye. No way. 100%. I'll just, Those I'll won't s- grow back. Do they not? I don't think so. No, they do. What? They have to. Okay. Hey, I've Siri, been pulling them out my whole life. Hey, Siri, do eyelashes grow back? Do eyelashes... <laughs> That's fine. So one day I won't have eyelashes, guys. That's okay. I can get implants. They do they do that? A hundred percent. Are you fucking kidding me? Well that you know what? That kind of tracks though. Are you fucking kidding me? No, like, but it's just like a weird thing to be like eyelash implants. Well, they're not implants. They're called like extensions or something. Yeah, but but can you extend if there's nothing there to begin with? Yeah. Like they have like they can like I don't know what it is. Like thread it. They that's what they call it. I think they call it threading or they call it like some kind of sewing you can like yeah they do that at my nail salon that i go they to. just do it at a nail not even yeah. like a doctor does it no oh that's that i wouldn't do that that's terrifying well they're certified do you do you know how easy it is to get some certifications not no shade to anyone wow no you just insulted a whole group of people <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that um no i, I don't know i don't feel like because I'm already like sensitive enough about where my eyes are and stuff. Like I don't think I could just go to a nail salon and be like, "Yo, put more in there, please." Like I, I'm lacking in the eyelash department. Just pop a couple extra. Like I couldn't do that. Yeah. What, are they gonna take a needle up to your eyeball? I don't know what they do actually. I, I really, I'm gonna get this so wrong, and all of the women out there are gonna hate me because I don't know what you do. Oh God, forbid you not understand how they add extra eyelashes to your eyeball. I'm sure every I could ask. No, maybe not. None of my friends. I Victoria would probably know, but I'm like, if I asked Abby, she wouldn't know. She would not know. No. No, but that's just like, oh, that's just so strange to me. Regardless, I've been just pulling out the eyelashes in my eye. That was the, the whole point was because it itches in that spot. And so like pulling them out like is like scratching the itch. That, ooh. Mm, ooh. 
No. I'm sorry. This is just how I operate. <laughs> so if you just see me like picking at my eye the entire look, there's there goes another one. Oh, okay. Well, goodbye. This is what I do. You should stop doing like, that. Like, do you never just see me picking at my eyes? Not I at your, pick at everything. I mean, like, I've seen you wipe your eyes. I never really pay attention. I'm like, oh, what's she doing to her eye right now? That's not like no, on my realm of pay attention. This is how I deal with there goes three more. Three in yeah, one? Sometimes you can just rip them all out at once. No, I don't stop it. Stop. Stop. <laughs> stop it. No. I hate it. Please. Look, there go another three. Oh, stop. <laughs> There's going to be none left. There's... You're going to be no eyelashes for seven to eight weeks. <laughs> I've been doing this since I was like 13, and I have yet to lose all my eyelashes. I bet you could make it happen if you really wanted. I oh, also hear... I am sure. If you told me I could just sit here and rip them out, I could probably rip all of them out. Yeah. And that's not a healthy thing. I'm not no. saying that as like a great, that is mental I'm not bragging. illness at its finest. This is not a brag. Uh, in fact, I need help. I And I uh, will fully admit that I need help. <laughs> I heard that uh, because women use makeup more often that their eyelashes are more prone to falling out because they're like, I don't know if it's like because you're, you know, when you put mascara on, you're like rubbing the eyelashes and maybe that like loosens them or if it's because like the makeup is like killing the eyelashes. No, it's 100% like killing them. Is that, like, see, but that's the thing is like, I don't, do eyelashes get blood flow? Can you kill something that doesn't get blood no, flow? No, but you can kill the receptors on the eyelid that grow the Yeah, I eyelashes. guess that makes sense. Or maybe like it gets clogged with the mascara and yeah. so like it's easier to just pop the boy out Um, because it, girls are always like, oh, eyelash, oh, eyelash, oh, and I'm just like, I, I think... In my lifetime, I've lost probably 25 eyelashes. Oh, my God. I've lost so many. Yeah. Well, you yanked them out. It's well, different for you. <laughs> I might think. go another three. Uh, no. <laughs> How many do you have? You just three, three, three. Okay. That was nine right there. And there are still, you can look at my face and there's still plenty of eyelashes. I don't. So yeah. you at least got like 50 on each, I would imagine. At least? I would 50? imagine 50 did on you, each. Did you hear that there's like tiny little microbes that live on your eyelashes that eat like dead Dying cells 100%. around your eyes. Yeah. Isn't that weird to think about? You got like a like a uh, like an ecosystem just on your body all the time. Like you just got bacteria on you in your mouth, mm -hmm. on your skin, mm -hmm. in your eyes, mm -hmm. in, on, your gut, in your gut, in your gut, like every, like, everywhere. Yeah. There's there's and it's just like living in you. And there's nothing you can like. I didn't consent to that. They're just they're moving in. No rent. Come on. Anyway, this is Media for the Intellectually Impoverished. I'm Taylor. I'm Randy. This is the podcast that enriches your mediocre lives. <laughs> I can't. Do Rick, you like the couch? I love the couch. This should be our, our new thing. Yeah, I I don't. I'm looking at the the screen. I know down our there. monitor's on the ground. We don't have a monitor for today. Yeah, um, I don't mind it. Right, like it, it covers up the ugly shelves that we don't use. That yeah, just have stuff on it, but also like it fit. I, it it adds to the aesthetic of us like a crowded. I wish it wasn't blue. Yeah, if we got it, we'd have to spray paint. <laughs> <laughs> but why is it here, Randy? Um, so I'm working on a short film. Uh, it's called Gene, directed by the amazing um VJ Kala. Kala, I'm sorry if I've mispronounced your last name, VJ. I, I don't think he. I think he will laugh and then be like, I don't care. That's fine. Um, and I'm producing it, and my friend Victoria Vasquez is co-producing it with me, and it's just a, a student short film that we're currently working on, and we finished recording about half of it uh, this past weekend, and we needed a place to store the hideous couch that we have in the short film, and so our studio became the optimal place. Mm -hmm. And it is about a woman named Jean who must decide what is reality and what is fantasy. Yeah. And the lives that we choose to live. 
I'm actually really excited. I, I, I visited set for a minute and I went in and it looked, it just looks pretty. Like you guys are doing a good job. I think it looks good. It's a very small space. We were supposed to film in a house and now we're filming in an apartment. Not only that, an undisclosed university's apartment mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's even smaller than a normal apartment. So there is no room. Half the crew is sitting outside the entire day. And the other half is sitting inside one of the bedrooms. I, I was, because uh, I saw another friend of ours and I was peeking in to say hi. And then I looked around and they're like, oh, this is Video Village. And I was like, great. And then they closed the door and I was stuck in Because we started, like, we had to start filming. And it's like, okay, well, if you're in there, it's too late now. <laughs> too late now, you're stuck. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it looks really good. And you guys have been working on this for months now. This was back in August was months. when I was approached by VJ to produce it. And I should have said no. <laughs> I think about that at least once a day of like, how easy would my life be? If I just had, said no. Had I just had the guts to say no. Yeah. Yeah. But it is going to be one of the, the first projects outside of the podcast that has our company on it, Media Light Productions. Yeah. So it's, I mean, we're growing, baby. Yeah, let's do it. Are you proud of that one? No. I am. No. That's what I thought. Yeah. It, it was one of those things where like it happened and then immediately regret yeah um what are we talking about today we're gonna talk about animation (laughs) no way yeah i don't know if we've actually talked about it before i feel like i've talked about it in a like a that is where that plug went yeah i was gonna ask you if that's yours because that that looks like the the Mm -hmm. usb thing that you were talking about yeah i lost my ipad plug and i was looking for it and it's been in here the whole time the whole time when was the last time we recorded no i I recorded in here on friday i was doing audio okay yeah so, okay, but um, we're talking about animation, and I want to talk about Disney, and I want to talk about the kind of like the history of Disney's animated studios, which I know I've talked about probably multiple times. But I don't we're never gonna... gone into like the history history of it. Let's, I guess not, but I know that I've mentioned at least the first uh, movie that has CGI or 3D animation in it, mm-hmm. and then we've talked about my hatred, not hatred, but. I don't associate Pixar and Disney together, even though they are both like under the uh, Disney conglomerate yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can lean my head back. I'm going to fall asleep. <laughs> as soon as you start talking, I'm going to fall asleep. That's great, because I figured I would go first a little bit. Great. Give some history okay, behind it. So I can, I can check totally. out for the next 15 yeah, minutes? Yeah, yeah, you got 15 <sighs> minutes. You got 15 minutes. And be quiet so you can get a head start. So, uh, animation's fun. I actually took a class on animation either like, I think sophomore year I was taking a class on animation. Um, It was really, really fun. And it was something that was, it was like an interesting, like new and different way to approach art because art in motion is so much different than just static art. Um, And so animation started like a long before Walt Disney yeah. Probably 50-ish years before Disney was even a name. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, I think one of the first films to ever include animation was not even an animation film traditionally. It was just a film about a guy um, in his whiteboard and he would draw on the whiteboard and the whiteboard would then interact with him and change. And so what they did is they um, had this guy stand still and they would... Uh, then erase and redraw on like the blackboard. It was not a whiteboard, it was a blackboard um, on the chalkboard or whatever. Behind him, they would redraw the next thing and then they would capture the next frame of film and then he would stand still and they'd redraw the next thing. And they did that over and over again. Um, 
until the film. It was it's not super long. I think it's a couple minutes until the film was finished. Um, that's sort of the first, I guess you could say mainstream appearance. And I think that was a French film as well. Um, uh, the French do everything first. French are really when it comes to f- cinema. Yes, the French invented most of it. God. Um, and so then animate. You know, you go on, you move on, and then um, the first feature length animation film was Walt Disney's Snow White. Um, but it wasn't. It was the first widely acclaimed. Really was. Well, then what was the first one? The first one. Uh, it was King. Arthur and the Alchemist or something by a completely different I didn't write it down but I, I put that uh, Snow White was the first uh, wait it's over here was the the yeah, it wasn't the first feature length cartoon but it was the most widespread at the time and it was the vehicle for which feature length stories could then it, it be told through animation was um, I could find it real quickly was the Arthur one in color um I don't know because then they might there might be that distinction there because I know Snow White was in Technicolor, which was yeah, but that big also too. yeah, but that also again wasn't the first one to be in Technicolor. It wasn't the first one to be in Technicolor, but it mm-hmm. might have been the first feature film to be uh, maybe feature animated film to be in Technicolor. Yeah, I can um, find it really quickly. It came out, I think. Oh, let me double check what year uh, Snow White came out. That was in thirty seven. I think the first one came out in thirty five. Mm-hmm. So only like um, what. Two years before this yeah, one so was not, the first feature it's, it's length. That, that yeah. decade is really when animation sort of sprung off. Um, but you get sort of mainstream animation does start with Disney. Disney um, sort of created uh, what's known as the, the the twelve principles of animation, which are um, I have them in my notes because I'm a prepared little boy. Uh, so uh, Disney sort of. Because he, I mean, he pioneered animation. A lot of people don't like to say that, but like the, the Disney and what he and his team did changed animation for oh, the better. Oh, forever. And for, I can't wait. Like, we'll, okay, this will be great. This is, I'm excited for this. I thought it was going to be you and then me, but we, we can kind of like mix and yeah. match. Amazing. So uh, Disney and his team invented the 12 principles of animation, which uh, are squash and stretch, which is uh, the idea that you know, you can play with reality. So when something, maybe a ball lands, it squashes a little bit. And then when it bounces, it stretches a little bit as it bounces until it turns. So it's never exactly a full circle, except maybe at its peak of the bounce, right? Um, Then you've got, after that, you've got number two, which is anticipation, which is the idea of getting ready for a movement. So the anticipation for a movement is different. Think of a person jumping. He might anticipate the jump by squatting down and then jumping. Um, so then squash and stretch applies to anticipation where you're squashing to anticipate and stretching for the actual movement. Then we've got staging, which is the idea of uh, placing your actor in specific spots on the frame to uh, stage and, and make things look and flow correctly, cor- cor- correctly as uh, the, the scene goes on. Then you have straight ahead action and pose to pose action, which is actually a way to denotate different styles of animation. So straight ahead animation is to say, if you start with frame one as one guy walking from the left side of the frame to the right side of the frame, frame one is him at the very left of the frame and you draw every frame as he walks along until he gets to the other side of the, the whole frame, right? To the right side of the frame. Um, and so that is straight ahead animation. You're drawing every frame in order of the action. Uh, and then there's pose to pose, which is more often used 
in um, when you hear the term keyframes, this is this uses that. So a keyframe in pose to pose is the most important frames. So if it was the walking analogy again, every the keyframes would likely be foot on the ground and head down because when you walk, you bob your head. So that'd be a keyframe, and then the next keyframe would be head up and midway through a step. And then the keyframe would repeat and up and down, up and down, up and down. And then someone else would go and called in-betweeners. You so the keyframe animator would pass off to the in-betweeners. And the in-betweeners will draw the frames in between the ups and the downs to uh, make it look like he's actually moving between these instead of it being sort of like a uh, like a flip book kind of thing, right? Um, after that, you got follow-through and overlapping action. So think of a tail, right? So follow-throughs, if someone jumps, right, and they land and they've got a tail, their tail might flick at the end of it. Or if you're whipping a chain, someone might be moving, and then the chain will have to continue moving, following through with the action of the arm. Uh, an overlapping motion is the same idea where you have a, a tail that might, so you know how cats like move their tails up and down, it kind of waves, right? Overlapping action is that idea of the wave where you've got that action of wave in two spots along the tail at once. After that, you've got slow in and slow out, which is um, a way to um, accent a movement or make it more clear to the eye. So slow in is uh, maybe when you're jumping, uh, you add more frames on the beginning of the jump. So it looks like he's moving slower to the ground before he jumps and then it quickens. And then a slow out would be he slows down as he hits the ground again. So that we can clearly see the jump and the land. Whereas the motion in between will look faster. Then you've got arc, which is the idea of most things don't move straight uh, in real life. It's very rare that you'll find things moving straight in nature. Think of a, of a leaf falling to the ground that's in an arc, right? Uh, so arc is the idea of you know never really using a straight line. Having things travel along arcs makes it more smooth and it flows better and it's more fun to follow when when you're a viewer. Uh, then you've got secondary action, which is it's similar to overlapping action, but not quite. So secondary action is say I'm raising my right arm. Uh, when I do that, my left arm might go down though. So that secondary action is the left arm falling while the right arm rises. Um, then you've got timing, which is what it sounds like. It's making sure that things hit beats at certain times along the animation, which will add to the flow and, and change the dynamic of the move movement, where if the timing is really quick, so you've got a super quick jump, it's gonna feel different than if someone is jumping and then it's just super slow. Or you've got like the Looney Tunes when they run off the cliff and then they keep running while they're hanging in midair and then they look down and then fall. That's an example of timing as well. Uh, then number 10 is exaggeration, which is to make things feel more visually appealing. Um, you over-exaggerate motion. You over-exaggerate facial features um, to make things more obvious. And also you can add some comedic effect to it. Then you've got 11, which is solid drawing, which is, um, I actually don't know what that one is. <gasps> yeah. When were these rules established? Uh, these, like, are, is this like an, an established list? Or yes, is like this, this is an established list okay. that was released in a book. Uh, it was released uh, in the 1981 book by... Ollie Johnston, Frank Thomas, two of Disney's animators, main animators. Uh, 
on the uh, that Disney himself and the team imposed upon the animators while they were making Steamboat Willie and other like Oswald the Rabbit and That's stuff like that. That's so fascinating. Um so yeah, these these are hard pressed like rules, written rules by Disney. No, I know. I just think it's fascinating because in my research for like the history of animation, like when Snow White came out, the way that they went about animating it was they did a lot of like live action references to get the motions for Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and everything, so everything was atomically correct. And the movie was criticized for doing that because it didn't allow, or many people criticized that it didn't allow free expression of animation. Mm. And so the fact that there are like genuine rules and one of them, like the 10th one is about like the overexpression of the, and like bright colors and everything. How could it be criticized for not being expressionistic enough? Yeah. That's so fascinating. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, so solid drawing is the idea of weight. Um, it's the idea of of actuality. So when you think about like form and physique uh, of a person, uh, making sure that you have the anatomically correct form or making sure that the, the, the pieces feel like they fit in a 3D space, that is solid drawing. And 12, the last one is appeal, making it look good, making it look nice, mm -hmm. making it have um, a visual style that is appealing. Um, and those are the 12 principles of animation that Disney and his team used to create the many Walt Disney cartoons that we know and many of us love today. So, yeah, that's the that's what Disney created um, back then. And then as as time went on, you know, there's different terms in animation and there's different ways to animate. So another important thing I think to mention is the idea of animating um, in general. So how do you do it? So every frame. Um, no, every second of of animated film has typically twenty four frames. Mm -hmm. um, you can bump it up to thirty, but most people stick to twenty four. Um, I think the the only guy that really does thirty is Richard Richard Edmund Williams, who is the head animator on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, he does thirty frames per second. Who is that? Uh, Richard Edmund Williams. Okay. He he's another pioneer of animation. He and Walt Disney were like the two heads of animation yeah. back in the day. Um, but so yeah, 24 frames a second. And so there's the idea for animating on th uh, fours, threes, twos, and ones. Um, so what does that mean? So animating on ones is animating every frame. Every one frame is a new frame, right? Animating on twos is every other frame. So every two frames, you make a new frame. Threes, same idea. Every three frames, you make a new frame. Fours, same idea. Every new frame, you make a, uh, every fourth frame, you make a new frame. Uh, and uh, every fourth still, rather, you should make a new frame. So the idea is that um, I'm only drawing on fours. I'm only drawing, what? What is that? Eight different drawings, and they're being held along four frames each. Um, or three with, no, three is eight. Four is six. 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 Um, so, yeah, the, the, the idea that you're not drawing every single frame unless you're in ones. And that changes uh, the fluidity of the movement. Uh, prolific animators like Disney will animate in uh, mostly twos or threes, but will bump up to ones as uh, stuff becomes more complicated. A good way to describe the visual representation of animating on different threes, fours, and ones is if you look at um, anime versus Disney stuff. Mm. So if you look at anime, 
when people talk, it's just open, close, open, close, open, close, open, close, especially old anime, yeah. right? So that idea is those are two frames that they've drawn that they can then play over and over again. And you don't get a whole lot of motion in the face. Whereas if you look at Walt Disney cartoons, they're constantly moving and constantly flowing. That's because mm. they've got this animation on twos or threes. It looks more smooth because they're creating more different pieces of art to put in order to make those uh, to make that motion, to make that movement in the frame. Um, and I think that's the only other principle. Yeah, 24 frames a second, one, two, three, and fours. Yeah, so when it comes to like the physicality of creating animation, those are the most important things to be looking at. Um, and those are the things that Disney pioneered. Disney didn't come up with necessarily, but he took it and made it mainstream and made it um, appealing to wider audience. What's the difference between 2D animation and 3D animation? Well, the simple answer is one is 2D and one is 3D. Um, <gasps> You're kidding. No, I'm insane. Oh, my God. Uh, no, so 3D animation came about, I think, the first movie to incorporate 3D animation into, is that Tron? I think it's Tron. Am I right? Um, and Tron was was interesting because it was a mixture between live action and 3D, but it was also a mixture of hand-painted, not hand-painted, what I mean, like, in the computer they hand-painted. So if you watch, if you've ever watched the original Tron, it starts off in live action, and then uh, Flynn gets sent into the machine, and so then everything looks super interesting and vibrant colors, and the blues and the reds are really vibrant. Well, someone, for every frame of that movie, had to go in and use the computer to paint in the colors that you're seeing on the actual frames, as well as the 3D animations uh, incorporated on top of that. Uh, which is why it was such an ambitious movie at the time mm -hmm. um, and why it blew up and it's such a cult classic now. Um, but yeah, so 3D animation is typically, well, not typically. Um, oh, yeah, typically. Because you got claymation. Claymation is technically 3D animation. Um, yeah. But it's typically created on a computer nowadays, mm -hmm. uh, which is the main difference. And there's a couple of pitfalls that come along with that. So when a person is drawing something on paper, they have the option to... Um, create that arc of motion, right? Computers don't necessarily do that. Computers like to do the quickest route possible. So they'll say, what's the quickest way for me to get to, from point A to point B? Um, and they'll you know, create a whatever algorithm and then they'll make the thing do that. So you can have a, a lot of problems with 3D animation if you're not using the animation principles behind it. Mm -hmm. um, you see that a lot. If you've ever watched something that feels uncanny valley in 3D, that's um, likely because they're not using the principles of animation behind it to give it that life. If you're not using squash and stretch, if you're not using anticipation, if you're not using solid drawing right, and all that kind of stuff, um, then it's going to lose that lifelike feeling. And one example that I can give of that that I've seen is the the Berserk anime from like 2016 or something. Um, because... Now, not all of it is atrocious, but most of it is atrocious. Uh, it's not all bad. It's, it's, all really, bad. it's really not all bad. There are some, like you can tell that there, there are some scenes that people like really spent their time on and really good animators did some solid work, but it's just pressure from the um, production team to get this out as quick as possible, to have a certain thing as often as whatever, and the necessity to put it in 3D for some reason um, really just sort of takes the life out of the style of the, uh, that it could have had. Um, and it does falter on Uncanny Valley. And so it's just gross sort of like point A, point B stuff instead of, you know, 
trying to gradually move into that like nature would like the falling leaf right it doesn't go from point a to point b from goes from point a to point b to point c to point d all the way around until it finally hits the ground um and so that is a, something that 3d animation fell into for a while until um what studio produced cloudy with a chance of meatballs Really? You yeah. think it took all the way until Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? Well, not all the way until, but they're the people that I can say did it the best. Um, okay. So when they were creating Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, um, one of the things they took into mind was classic animation. It was like Looney Tunes and um, Mickey Mouse cartoons. And they're like, how can we translate that style to 3D? And so one of the big things that they do um, is the, the animation on 24 frames per second and keeping that style of, you know, clicky clacky, like making sure there's a certain number of frames and, and limiting the frames instead of having 60 frames um, on top of using the classic animation principles that they used back then. So you'll see a lot, especially in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 1, which is the best one, obviously. But you see a lot of squash and stretch. You see a lot of exaggeration. Um, go, like if you go and watch that movie again, when, when what's the main character's name? Flint. Flint Lockwood. Um, when he is in his lab and for some, I don't remember the scene exactly, but he's like bouncing around the lab mm -hmm. and, or maybe it's the honey or something. Um, when they're, but when he's bouncing around, you can see like his body, when he flails his arms, they've got multiple arms there. Right. Uh, which is, a, is something you do in animation to, to create motion. You put like, if you want someone to be flapping their arms really fast in one frame, you might have a, what's called a smear frame where you can see. Because uh, in real life, if I'm like waving my arm like this, like you, it, there's motion blur. Mm -hmm. So the creating that in, in animation means um, smearing the frame or adding extra uh, appendages floating in midair. So you can see these principles being applied in the 3D animation that they did. Uh, and it looks gorgeous. Like that movie looks fantastic. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's because they went back to basics and they looked at the, you know, what makes animation animation, what makes it look good, why is it popular? Um, and all that kind of stuff before they went into the animation process itself. And that really helps them out on the back end. Um, but yeah, that's, I think that's everything that I had. That's fine. I think that's interesting. Like if you really then compare what I was talking about earlier with Snow White and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, I mean, they're two different styles. I mean, it's 2D animation versus 3D animation. But I get the principles that you just described with Walt Disney is shown more thoroughly through Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs than with Snow White. I mean, like you don't have that like squash and uh, stretch effect or anything like you that. You do, you, but but not I mean, to the but, extent. But no, 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 not to. The, I mean, and I get that because with Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, like you're talking about. I mean, I can picture like so many scenes where he's like overly expressing himself, and that's done through like him stretching or his limbs like slightly stretching. And it's like the, there's this very much like elasticity to all of the characters, mm -hmm. and so it it's. It's it's expressionistic in that fact of like okay humans don't actually move like this but mm -hmm. like when you're really excited that's how it like feels like you're moving yeah that's how it feels like he should be moving yeah and that's how can we can convey that through the animation and so but you don't have that in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves I mean you might have it to like smaller extents and like in the the arcs and things that you're talking about with like the leaf falling I mean all of those are in there and they that's what adds I mean it is animation and it mm -hmm. feels very realistic because that is how like the world operates but the she had never at one point does her arm stretch or does she like bounce up and she's very like she acts like a person and that's like she's animated yeah. as a person i think that they're they're 
I can I can see that their point like to make a feature length animation film um, that would succeed was to make it as close to lifelike as possible. Yeah. Well, they filmed it in live action, like in just a black box, mm-hmm. like a, an actress going through all of the motions and basically acting it out in an empty room and yeah. then animating and drawing on top of her. Oh, they really, I, I guess they can, that's called rotoscoping, by the there way. There you go. You, you, is when you take a film of something and then you draw over each frame of it to create an animation that's called rotoscoping. Um, but yet, I, I guess I can. You can see that in a lot of the the scenes. I think the one that that I think of specifically when when you mentioned that is when she's in the the woods when they're super creepy and stuff, mm-hmm. and she's like spinning around and that's the one that arms. I think of too. Yeah, yeah, when she's scared because I it mean, looks so like with that eye of animation that, that I was gonna say her accrued. face is also so like it, realistic. I mean, yeah. the movement in her face and ever, the frames you're talking about, and they back then or when he first started doing animation, it was the the two um, frames. Uh, a thing or like before you had to change the the anime or the, yeah, the yeah. photo it was Re- two frames on tombs, on yeah on twos. twos um tombs. that's what tombs yeah that's how, but that's what they did or that's what he did that was mm-hmm. his style of it and so you can see that i mean in her expressions it's so lifelike yeah and yeah. it's not overly expressive it feels like you're like cause it is it was a person underneath that that they were like yeah that drawing, they were drawing on that's top of. so cool yeah and and but but think about like there's that, right? But there's also Steamboat Willie. Yeah, which was super like, I mean, there's no reference or anything. I think that's why it was controversial because they had already done and had established those rules mm-hmm. with like Steamboat Willie and with Oswald the the Lucky Rabbit or something. Yeah. Um, and then to suddenly be like, okay, well now we're going to do like realistic or almost like live action, like to make, in order to make a feature length animated film. Yeah. It's like, well, why do you need, why can't you just do it the way that you've been doing it? I mean, that was... Like it was succeeding it, yeah, and everything. It was succeeding, but it's also like, I like I can see why you would do that, yeah. right? Because this is the first, like, wanting to be the first full length feature animated film mm-hmm. to be accepted. Yeah, you've got to do what people understand, which is natural motion. But even in that natural motion, there is the use of of those twelve principles, right? Think of the dwarves specifically, and how that's they true. emote and how mm-hmm. they move, and how that's different than how Snow White, White moves. moves. Um, no, you're right. I'd love to rewatch that now and see because they, I mean, I don't, I'm pretty sure they didn't have anybody for the dwarves to like mm-hmm. reference. Those are very, I mean, and in their like um, anatomy, like they're not, their Human. proportions yeah. are different. They're and very everything. different. Um, but yeah, you got you to think about, it's just even in so the natural movement of it, there are those 12 principles yeah. that she still squashes and stretches, not to the extent. And that's the thing, right? The more lifelike you want something to be, you still have to, abide by these 12 principles because they are based in reality yeah they are based in reality you still have to abide by these 12 principles but how much you use them and how much you lean into them changes how realistic how natural looking the animation will be versus how you know gross it'll be if you don't listen to it Mm -hmm. or how cloudy the chance of meatballs it'll be if you lean into one aspect of it Mm -hmm. right but you still have to use them right you can't ignore them but then also think about the fact that if because they i mean it was just a different way of going about it production wise i mean Mm -hmm. you have walt disney coming in saying i want to be the first person or i want to have a a feature length animated film how do you go about doing that where it's not going to take millions and millions of dollars and hours and hours of like labor and, and intensive like well okay film it live action and then let's like rotoscope it mm-hmm. make it makes the process so much easier oh man but then think about how they stepped away from that like 
I don't think they rotoscoped again after that. No, they did for a long time. You think so? I mean, not for like every single movie, but I mean, for a, a majority of them, I mean, even with specific scenes, because I've seen it in like Hercules. I've seen like um actors acting out those scenes in order to get the movements for... Well, that's... See, there's a thing. There's there's rotoscoping and then there's reference. There right? you go. So um, rotoscoping is... I am drawing over the frame, whereas references, I'm seeing someone do this and I'm drawing it. I think Snow White might be the only one that I can think of that uses rotoscoping okay. specifically. Of, of course, you always, as, a, as an artist, especially an animator, need reference on how does the body move when mm -hmm. I do these certain things so I can make it look lifelike. But I don't think of any specific other film no, that looks right. so clearly rotoscoped. Scoped. No. Um, but yeah, but but... Because think about how complicated some of the other movies got in there and the way that the camera moves and the way that mm -hmm. the people move within the scene. Like Beauty and the Beast, the ballroom scene. Yeah. Where the camera is moving all around. One guy, I was reading up on it a while ago. I don't know his name, but there was one animator that animated the ballroom scene wow. by hand. He did the key frames for all of those scenes mm -hmm. and then passed them off to the in-betweeners. And they're like, we don't know how to do this. And he's like, okay. And so he just kept doing it. Yeah. Um. And the camera, the way that the camera moves through the scene, that, that was one of the first times they implemented 3D environments. Um, I knew you were going to say it. I was waiting for you to say it, and you're um, wrong. You think God, so? Why would why does my internet keep cutting out? What do you mean? Because that's wrong. not the first one that had um, the inclusion of like CGI and 3D animation for the environment. What was it? And I've told you what it is before. Oh, you probably told me and on the I'm podcast, And I'm so too. sad. And I've told it on the podcast, I'm sure. Or maybe, because I read it in a magazine. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to uh, talk about this was so I could go through kind of that history. Where, why, I wanted to know when, when Beauty and the Beast came out. And then it won't. And then the internet crapped out on me. Because the internet in here is great. No, in uh, 91. Mm. Cool. So it was actually um, The Great Mouse Detective. Oh, which that makes sense. came out in um, 1986. So five years before Beauty and the Beast. And it was only for the the last, and I don't know, I don't think you've ever seen The Great Mouse Detective. I've seen I'm, The Great Mouse Detective. So at the very end of the movie, when they're running through the, the clock tower and they're trying to catch like... Uh, Ratigan, which mm -hmm. I think is the, the name of the villain. Ratigan. Um, he has a first name. I think yeah. Ratigan is his last. Anyways, as they're running through the clock tower and all you have all of the uh, mechanisms moving and interacting with each other, that's all uh, 3D animated and was the first time that CGI was implemented into a Disney a movie. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, when you think about the complexity. I mean, because there's depth. I mean, yeah. and you can see a clear distinction in it when you watch it. That like, okay, something has shifted in the stylization mm. of this and we are now using something different because yeah. there's there's depth to it and the way that the environment moves around and the camera pans around the scene. Yeah, it's different. And and especially in Beauty and the Beast, I think is where you can see it shine. Mm -hmm. um, because Almost definitely. Of, and I think, I mean, they don't do it for every scene. I think that's their thing is like they don't have to do it all the time. No. But they well, definitely- Well, now they do. Now they do. Which is unfortunate. so stupid. And you know why? It's because the head of Pixar is I, now the head of Disney. I was that's why I don't like Pixar and I won't ever include them. I mean, I was, I think I've told this story before and I'll say it again and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I was talking to somebody when I first started working at Barnes and Noble and I said that I love Disney and they're like, oh yeah, I love this movie. And I was like, that's Pixar. And they're like, well, I also like this movie. I was like, that's Pixar. I like this movie. Like, those are all Pixar. Don't you dare disgrace the Disney name mm -hmm. with a Pixar movie. Mm -hmm. I know they're the same company now, but I refuse. Yeah. Um, but specifically, again, Beauty and the Beast, which looks really good in, the, in that ballroom scene. One guy just went through and drew the, the whole freaking That's thing. Crazy. He drew it and everyone was like, oh my God. And he was like, 
I what? just do <laughs> this. This is just my art. Like, yeah. And just to think, think about how complex that is. I don't to want understand to. the anatomy of not to. just Belle in her dress, but also the beast. His anatomy and his clothing and his fur and the way that he's going to move. And then on top of that, the way that the camera is going to be panning around them as they dance together. Oh, it's so beautiful. They did such good work. Such good work. And it's just, it's, it's, oh, it's just genius. Just so good. Um, but please walk us through some more of the history. So, like, so I was gonna say I, I kind of have like the big main points, and I've hit a, a few of them already. So we'll we'll start with in um, 1923 was the first short that um, Walt Disney made in Kansas, and it was called Alice in Cartoon Land. Um, and it was a mix of animation and live action. And on the day of completion, they filed for bankruptcy. And then that short film took off, mm -hmm. and they decided to take their um, talents. It was him and his brother, I believe, mm. and moved to Hollywood to then start doing it like professionally. Um, after that, the first fully like animated without any live action in it, still a short film because we talked about like the first feature length being it's not um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and I found the name of it and I pulled it up. But also, it's a very different animation style than Disney. It's called The Adventures of Prince Ahmed, and so this is what it is. Mm. And it's just shadows. I mean, like the characters aren't, and there's nothing wrong with it. It will take the title of first uh, feature length animated movie, but the all of the characters are just kind of like it. I don't know what to call that style. Remember when like people, a shadow puppet? Yeah, like a shadow puppet. And so they're just like the silhouettes of the characters and that's fine um but disney definitely pioneered that with the inclusion yeah. of like those colors in snow white mm -hmm. and then the the rotoscoping and everything like that. i mean that makes sense why it was most um, widely acclaimed and widely uh known at the time um so then the first fully animated without any live action by walt disney was oswald the lucky rabbit and his i don't remember what what it's called the the, the, the distributor who like puts that out into the mm -hmm. world like took that name from him, took that character from him and wouldn't give him the rights to it. Yeah, even though he had created the character. Exactly. And that's when he created Mortimer Mouse. Mm. And it was his wife who made him change the name from Mortimer Mouse to Mickey Mouse. Because Mortimer Mouse sounded dumb. I mean, it sounds, it's not like a kid's. Like no kid is going to go around going Mortimer Mouse. Like it's, it's Mickey Mouse. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, a, it's more kid friendly. Um, and then there was two short animated uh, like Mickey Mouse cartoons. And the first one to include sound with Steamboat Willie mm. in 1928. And so that's like the short clip that you see at the beginning of all Disney movies now of him like steering the boat and, and whistling. whistling. Yep. yep, that's Steamboat Willie. That's Steamboat Willie. Um, and then in 1932, the the Silly Symphonies, uh, which included- Silly Symphonies were so good. Yeah. The, the first one to win an Academy Award was in 1932 and it was Flowers and Trees. I don't know what that is. And I'd love to look it up, but it's the first one, first animated, like movie film to mm -hmm. win an Academy Award. Yeah, and that was that was still a short film. It was. Um, but it, yeah, no, it's it's good. You've never seen? Have you seen all the Silly Symphonies? No, I've seen oh my none goodness. of them. You've seen none think, of the I don't Silly think I've seen Symphonies? any you know of the, them. The video of the dancing skeletons. Yeah. That that's two D animated. Yeah. That's the Silly Symphonies. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, the one that has Disney. spooky, scary skeletons music on top of yeah, it. Yeah, the people that yeah, people that, that do that. I mean, that's not, that's the, not music, the actual sound in it, but, but that's, that's what yeah, I associate it with. Over with. Yeah. Um, that was also the first um, cartoon to be produced in Technicolor. Yes. And so it was a short again. So this at this point in 1932, we now have sound, we now have color, and it was the first one to win an Academy Award. The next one was in the next year, 1933, with the Three Little Pigs, mm -hmm. which that one that I know one, of. That one's great. Yeah, it's so good. 
And then we move on to, like I said, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. That was in 1937. So now just imagine everything that we've gone through. We started with um, Alice in Cartoonland. He's in Kansas. There's no money to his name, just doing this out of the garage with his brother. Mm -hmm. Black and white, no sound. And within 10 years, he gets to Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Color, sound, full-length animated movie, and two Academy Awards under his belt. Backed under a complete production studio Mm -hmm. that he's the head of. Yeah. Ten years. Ten years. I mean, this is two years old. Yeah, we can get there. With yeah. Ten years. Eight more. We just think got about it. Ten years doesn't sound years. like a long time. Oh, We've it been sounds doing like this. so long. Are you kidding me? Ten years sounds so long. Yeah, that's such a long time. Like we've been doing this for two years. We've got eight more years before we're at that level. I mean, yeah, we gotta file for bankruptcy first. <laughs> <laughs> at least once. At least once. Um, this couch is not comfy. It is not comfy. But My you can ass change the way hurts. that the, the back is really pulled up. No. Nope. We'll do it between <sighs> between episodes. My ass hurts. <laughs> oh, you too, man. I'm not saying why the the gaming industry, but why move to realism? We have live action movies. And that's another thing that I've talked about that I hate about Disney Mm -hmm. now. And it's it's all live action remakes. Yeah, but there's also something to be said about things that you can't make physically. Think about like sci-fi stuff that's 3D animated. Some of the... um, I like to think of Love, Death, and Robots specifically. Yeah. Which is a good example of, of amazing 3D animation. Yeah. And all of their sci-fi stuff, their um, fantasy stuff. Did you see the one about the, the giant weird crab monster on the on the pirate ship? There's a new season that I haven't seen. You haven't seen them? No. Oh, they're really good. It's not super long. It's actually Taylor, the Taylor, I want you one. to take a moment and think where that show is and what. I do not have... I've said it multiple times on here, and I'm sure you guys know exactly Ooh. what I'm talking about as yeah. well. Yeah, it's interesting how that plays out, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Would you like to give me a $9.99 a month so I can have that subscription? I, I, you know what I have given you? <laughs> you have given me the login. A Netflix and I don't, login. I, yeah, a Netflix login. That's what we're talking about. Um, but I hate, I don't want y'all to know what I'm watching. I'm not watching anything bad, but I don't want to be judged for what I watch. Everybody watches stuff be, on my Netflix. But it'll just be like New Girl over and over again. That's fine. That's already on there. You don't think I've been watching New Girl every no, once in a while? No, you haven't. I do. But no, you'd, you'd log in one day and it would say like, season one, episode four. And then the next day it would say like, season seven, episode nine. And then the next day it'll say season two, and you're like, "How are you going through it so fast? And why are you rewatching it again?" Yeah, I um, don't want to be judged, okay? But but yeah, so think about the the things that they could that they do in Love yeah, Death. Yeah. Not uh, well, yeah, in Love Death and Robots, which is all separate. It's an anthology series of different 3D animations um, that are compiled by someone, and then they fucking send them out. Um, but it's different studios that are doing the animation. And so some of the stuff that they do, it's it's stuff that's impossible to do with the real set, you know? Like there's this one that takes place in complete zero gravity. I think you're you're arguing for a point about like the benefits of animation, and that's what I was arguing for. But yeah, I'm arguing for the benefits of because you were like, why move to realism? Uh, yeah. Um 
I and now you're like, well, because there's things you can't do, and yeah, that's why. Like animation is better. No, but that's but you were saying why was there a shift in three D okay. animation towards realism? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, and I'm saying because there are things that you can do, make them look realistic that we couldn't do in live oh, okay, action. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and it's and that's why coinciding with the want for gaming to move towards live action because gaming like it or not, is the biggest source of 3D animation industry. Yeah. Um, and so their want to move towards 3D animation in, in a more realistic aspect uh, was the push that everyone else has now been taking because they're setting the bar of 3D animation way higher than yeah. what a lot of other people can achieve. Um, and that bar is now being attempted to be met through everyone else in their weird own, especially Disney's weird stylized way. It's like realistic, but... But also not, and it's just it. They're they're scratching the wrong nerve here, mm-hmm. you know. And I and I miss that two D animation. I miss that that vibrance we got. I really do too. I mean, the more that I think about it now, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love. I'll always love Disney movies. I mean, the most recent one was Encanto, right? Or maybe there might have been another one after that. I don't know. Um, because there's so much now. There's Star Wars and there's Marvel and there's all these things. Um. But in, in regards to animation, no, there's ones after that, but I count them as Pixar. And Kanto, I think, is Disney. Um, and the more that I think about it, I'm like, the more that it, it, when I really think about it, it's like uncanny valley, like you were talking about. It's like they're really trying to be as realistic as possible. I mean, they still have the, the, the pull and the stretch and all the animation things, but it's like, there's something weird about it. When you really try and think about the human aspect of it, you're like, it doesn't quite fit it. And it's, it's weird. Yeah, I I wish they would. I genuinely wish they would switch back. But two D animation is almost dead. They don't need to switch back. They need to just. I mean, you can go back and forth. You can have a three D animated. Imagine with the technology that we have today, how easy two D animation is to like produce. It's it's not. It's easier. Yes, much easier. Um, cheaper and cheaper, much cheaper, but. Like difficulty wise, I would say you're still drawing the frames, right? You still have to understand these principles. Mm-hmm. Um, it and it is way more expensive, even at that cheaper level. It's still way more expensive than 3D animation. I don't think so. I was reading stuff, but I could be wrong. You know more about animation than me. And the article I was reading kept going back and forth. Was like 2D animation is the most difficult, and 3D animation is the most difficult. I when you, I mean, I get that you have to draw every aspect with the technology that we have, and then the inclusion of 3D animation and how a lot of it can be done like computerized. You're telling me that you can't computerize 2D animation on like a flat surface. No, okay. maybe it's a. Mm, I've never seen anyone do it. Um, and thinking about the, well, that's not true. I've seen there are ways to do it. Like you can, there, there, are, there are applications you can use to to do that kind of thing. But it's not going to give you the same effect as drawing it yourself. And it's the same for the same reasons, right? Okay. Of course, if you spent more time in it, you learned it, and you figured out that kind of stuff, it, it could work in your favor like that. But, um. It's just not the same. And if we're talking like traditional 3D or 2D animation, um, but the reason it costs so much is because you have to have people that draw the keyframes, people that draw the in-betweens, people that draw the that, people that draw the this. And it's teams of people working on scenes at a time and redoing these scenes. Whereas in 3D animation, you have someone that makes the assets, someone that makes the animations, sends it off to the director of that scene. Director says, fix these things, goes back to the 3D animator. And the anime, so it's like it's a smaller. It it 
of course, that's oversimplifying, but all in all, it's a smaller team of people doing these things than it is 2D animation. But then think of all the aspects that go into 3D animation. I mean, and especially now the detail that they talk about and like, I mean, I see photos on Instagram and it's like the fibers on like Toy Story's like coat now and the, the number of like hair yeah. strands. And you're telling me that's not more complicated it's, than um, 2D animation? It's complicated in different ways. I mean, and then you also have like a whole like rendering process with 3D animation. Yeah, but rendering is done by the computer, okay. right? So those textures are created by someone who then renders them through the computer. But it's 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 just difficult in different ways and for different okay. reasons, right? Like the, the process of, because think about it, if you mess something up in 3D animation midway through the scene, all you got to do is edit that thing and then the rest of the scene hypothetically, should move towards... Hypothetically. Regu regularly, you hear that? Right? You hear that? Well, he said hypothetically. Because it's, it's computers he doesn't are fickle. You hear that? He's lying. Um, but when you think about 2D Don't. animation... Remember this line that I, I drew? I have large Do legs. Do you remember this line that I drew I'm like straight down the the couch? We have sticks in our couch. Hang on. I don't know why. But remember this line? You just smacked my leg. <laughs> Can I finish my thought, sure. please? Don't touch me again. Um, you got it. Um, the Whereas in, in 2D animation, if you mess up in the middle of a scene and you have to redraw that scene, you can't just take one frame out, take one keyframe out, and move that keyframe somewhere else, right? You have to take that keyframe out, and then everything after that keyframe has to be redone. So this is difficult in different ways. You okay. Know? Okay. And, and the computer can streamline it, line it in different ways nowadays. Back then, 3D animation was much more difficult. But nowadays... We can compute, but like digital 2D animation, like doing it on like a computer. Like I've seen people do it on like our, our touch pads and everything. Like you can, if something gets messed up, then it's like you just like rotoscope it or you grab that and you're like, okay, we're going to tilt it. And then like, can't you grab like a whole like file, like a whole you bunch could, of frames and like right. move it like two millimeters down or no, something? But I'm talking like traditional 2D animation. That's different. Then I don't know because it's it's I don't I don't animate anymore. I'm not in the studios, um, but like it's just it's different and it's okay. difficult in okay. different ways because okay. it's the human aspect of having to redraw everything versus the computerized aspect of just moving things around in certain ways. Okay, but there is still human aspect in like two D and drawing it on just digitally. You're, I get I get doing it on a piece of paper and it being like and like erasing and like yeah and then every frame after that you have to like redo mm -hmm. but i think the addition if you combined like 2d animation with what we can do digitally in 3d animation yeah but it, i could be wrong and that might not even be possible i'm just trying to argue for argue's sake you play I, just want him, advocate. I just want him to tell me that i'm right i yeah you, honestly you are probably right thank you and that's are, it and, and um, likely, that's media for this <laughs> <laughs> there, there are likely programs that mix them in certain ways that that you know are, are beneficial, but I would still argue that 2D animation now would cost more, and is and the reason that Disney is not gonna really take that step anytime soon is because of the cost. I I don't think it's the cost. I think it's the the profit. I don't think anybody, especially the younger generations, because of what they've grown up with and they've seen the the scope of it, they would see a 2D animated movie and say it's garbage. Yeah, that that's possible too. But even then, cost is still part of the profit yeah. of it because it would cost more than it would make. Okay. <laughs> All right, anyways, thanks for joining us on this intellectual journey. We threw so much information at you, but we will catch you guys in the next one. Bye-bye.
Can I pull one more eyelash? No, don't. You I just had do a it. bad experience. I can do it again. It's a bad idea. Hang on. Don't